Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers. There is a lot going on this week as players are back at the facility for the start of voluntary workouts. And of course, with the NFL draft coming up next week, it is next Thursday, April 27th at seven o'clock central with the first round live from Kansas City. Rounds two and three are Friday with the remaining starting Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch on ESPN or the NFL Network or you can come hang out with us Saturday, April 29th for the Crawfish Cook-Off. You can enjoy some crawfish, see some of your favorite Saints players while watching the draft on TVs all over the event. The Cook-Off is 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Saints facility. You can head to neworleansaints.com to get your tickets and I'll see you there. It's been fun seeing some of the players around here again and I've heard there are some pretty big names that will be in attendance at the cook-off. On today's episode, I'm bringing in Matt Miller, ESPN Draft Analyst, to talk all things first round draft, give his thoughts on where the quarterbacks could fall. You can follow Matt on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. He's got a ton of information there, so make sure you're following him as we head into next week and the draft this up next this next upcoming weekend, if that makes any sense. Here's our conversation. Matt, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. We are finally, I feel like, approaching the NFL draft. It has been a long haul. We've been talking about it for a while. The Saints made a ton of moves in free agency. We're still looking forward to our picks that, that we have coming up. Got a first round pick. Um, how are you doing gearing up for the draft next week? It is a, a crazy time of year, as I know you can imagine. You guys go through this uh, throughout the season as well. So it's it's exciting, though. I love hopping on, talking to different media outlets in different cities because everyone ha- is so excited about what their team could do. And I think like that's what is the great thing about the NFL draft is that one pick can change everything. I mean, you guys, like the 2017 Saints draft was one of the greatest of all time. So you understand the importance of one great draft class can really put you over the top. We saw that last year in Kansas City with with what Brett Beach put together. So I think that that gets everybody a little excited this time of year. Who do you think has the most potential to make an impact like that in this year's draft? Yeah, I think you have to look at Houston just because of the sheer capital they have, you know, to have pick number two, Mm -hmm. also to have pick number 12, and then to have, I think they have 11 total picks as of right now. So uh, that is that is a lot of picks. And Nick Casario has drafted pretty well there, I think, for being a team that, you know, obviously not winning a lot of football games right now, but, you know, they found guys like Damian Pierce last year, who was a featured running back for them in the fourth round. So I think Houston, they're, they're definitely in a really good spot to not only check off a lot of needs, but to add really high caliber players because they're drafting early in each round. The Seahawks, Lions, and Eagles also have two first round picks. It's kind of wild considering how good the Eagles were, but we all know how that <laughs> happened. Um, how important do you think it is for I guess more so the Texans, the Seahawks, the Lions to really nail those picks. Yeah, I think especially we can look at Seattle and Detroit. You know, there's a a strong chance that Aaron Rodgers won't be in Green Bay anymore. And I think Mm -hmm. if you're the Lions for the first time in 30 years, the Green Bay Packers won't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. And so you have to think, okay, this is our opportunity. We have pick six. We have pick 18. 
let's let's try to pull ahead right now. You know, just try to build on what we we had last year. Same for Seattle. The Rams are in the middle of a rebuild. The Cardinals are in a rebuild. And I think the 49ers, despite the fact they were in the NFC Championship game, we don't know who their quarterback will be. So I, I think if you're Seattle, that's a similar mindset of you were a surprise playoff team last year. You've got a lot working for you right now with the offensive line, wide receivers, quarterback. So you have pick five and at pick 20, you have a really good opportunity to get two impact players that can help you pull ahead of teams like the 49ers and Rams that have been so good as of late. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers. It seems like he's going to be going to the Jets, but I think the longer that it takes to happen, people are starting to talk about some other teams getting in the mix there. How likely is it that he is ending up with the Jets? And do you think that's just going to be something that happens on draft day? It feels like it has to happen. Uh, I, I think you're right. Probably on draft day, it's interesting the Jets have two picks in the second round back to back. So that's a great opportunity. They'll have 20 minutes on the clock to execute mm. that trade and, and make sure they get Aaron Rodgers. But um, I, I would love to say I have some information, you know, about <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, but I don't want him, you know, I don't have his number, so he can't tell me to lose it anyway. Right. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a, a little bit prickly individual uh, when it comes to us media folks. So uh, I'm sure they're getting things worked out. I think both sides are, are backed into corners where they, it's in their best interest for both teams to find a way to make this happen. Speaking of quarterbacks, everyone's been talking about how the the first few picks are going to shake out in the draft. Is it going to be Bryce Young that goes number one overall to the Panthers? Looks like that will be the case. He's only met with the Panthers and the Texans. And then, it, you know, CJ Stroud's going to come right behind him. But it gets interesting after that as far as who will be the next pick, when the next quarterback will be taken. How do you think the the quarterback situation is impacting how this draft is going to play out? Yeah, I was uh, talking to someone this morning and they said, uh, an NFL scout, and he said there will be more defensive ta- defensive linemen, excuse me, drafted in the top five than quarterbacks. And that shocked me. But it's it's definitely a scenario that good could happen. You, you mentioned that Bryce Young is going to go number one overall. It sounds like that's pretty close to locked in. Mm-hmm. CJ Stroud could go anywhere from two to four to a little bit later. And I think that's the domino effect that we're all waiting to see how it starts up. If Houston doesn't take a quarterback at two, if they take Will Anderson from Alabama or Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, where do the quarterbacks go? And it, it gets even more interesting when you have players like Anthony Richardson from Florida or Will Levis from Kentucky or Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, how much that could push them down. So I think there are a lot of teams, especially in the top 10 or 12 picks, who were hoping quarterbacks would go early so it would push position players down to mm-hmm. them. But the closer we get to the draft, it sounds like you know the, the evaluations on the quarterbacks are coming back to earth a little bit, whereas when we left the combine, it was four quarterbacks are going to go in the top four. Right. Now we're you know nine days out from the draft, and it's, well, we'll probably see five go in the first round, but, but definitely not four in the top four like we once thought. Why do you think there has been that change? I think some of it is just time. You know, it's, we're all human. Like, I, I mean, I was, you know, we were in Indian. It's like, oh my gosh, you're so excited about these quarterbacks and they look so good. But, you know, the, the two months between the combine and the draft, there's this ability to not only spend time with the quarterbacks, but also to look at your own roster and say, okay, well, you know, like the Atlanta Falcons, like, you know what, let's actually, let's try with Desmond Ritter. He was, you know, a, a third round pick. Let's see what we have there. Or the Washington Commanders. You know, we're going to sign Jacoby Brissett. And we're going to go with Sam Howell. So I think time is one of those things Mm -hmm. that is kind of an equalizer where there's all the momentum and all the hype and everybody's excited. But then you really start to break down your team and your roster and say, okay, well, 
you know, maybe we don't want to go for broke. We don't want to spend three first round picks like the Panthers did to get a quarterback when the rest of our roster needs a lot of attention. So I, I do think that plays into it as well. Of free agency happens after the combine. That's a huge part of it. Uh, but then also teams, uh, I think there are even teams peaking ahead to next year where the quarterback group is very special at the top with Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner, and then Drake May at North Carolina, who obviously you're pretty familiar with. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a little bit of that too of, well, the guys next year could be better than this year. So a lot of teams want to wait for that. Overall, it's kind of been said that this draft class is maybe not as deep. You know, there's some elite talent yeah. at the top, but then after that, it falls off. How difficult does that make drafting somebody as the rounds kind of continue on? Yeah, you have to have great scouts uh, because you're going to lean on those area scouts to find players. And that's what uh, I hear that complaint a lot from fans, from people who work in the NFL is this isn't a good draft. You still have to use your picks. You know, there's Mm -hmm. still going to be 259 players drafted. So you have to find good ones. And I think that's where um, you start to look at outliers a little bit, players who are maybe a little bit smaller than you would normally like, or players who maybe are a step slower than you would normally like, but are just really good football players. Or, you know, on the, the opposite side of that is you're going to go to some of the smaller schools looking for great athletic ability that can be coached up. So it definitely makes it harder. Um, I, I think it will make for a really interesting day three of the draft. There's probably going to be some names called that we're not all super familiar with off the top of our heads, especially for you know, the casual viewers, but that's mm-hmm. where, folks like me come in to hopefully add some context as to why that guy was drafted and how he can help your team. Somebody that I've seen go in the third round and even as high as in the first round is quarterback Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. Why do you Mm -hmm. think there's such disparity in when he's going to go? Yeah, I think coming off the ACL injury that happened in the middle of November, the the immediate thought is, okay, well, he's going to fall in the draft because of the injury. Uh, Now it looks like he's going to be cleared by September. So that helps. There's also the age factor. You know, he's 25 years old. He was at Virginia Tech before he transferred to Tennessee. So he's a little bit older of a prospect. I think he has those two things working against him. But on the, you know, on the first round side, he only threw five interceptions the last two years. And they play in a scheme where he's throwing the ball down the field consistently. He's a very good runner, you know, whether it's created or, you know, off of an improvised type play. So I'm a Hendon Hooker fan. I think he should be a first round pick, especially – there aren't many second round quarterbacks anymore. You know, you guys got Derek Carr is one of the last good second round quarterbacks because everybody wants that fifth year option. So they're constantly trying to trade up to make sure they get that, that extra year before a player hits free agency. CJ Stroud out of Ohio state. He's somebody that people have said is very accurate and that's probably one of his best traits at this moment. Texans have the number two pick. It, Seems like he'll go there, but I have also seen a lot of trades that have been proposed to the Texans for that number two. Do you think that's something that could happen? I think it's something they should be open to. Absolutely. Um, especially the closer we get to the draft, I think the more you hear from people around the league that the Texans don't feel like they have to draft a quarterback. We Someone said this to me earlier this week that this is the, we have to remember it's the 49ers system. This is Kyle Shanahan's system with Bobby Slow up their offensive coordinator. They've had a lot of success with non-first-round quarterbacks, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be Brock Purdy or Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins when they were together in Washington. So I think there's an idea that they might be okay without drafting a quarterback at two or even twelve because they believe in their system so much. So I think that that opens the door for that possibility. But um, if I were Houston, CJ Stroud would absolutely be the pick. Uh, he's to me a franchise quarterback. You mentioned the accuracy. Um, he's incredibly poised, incredibly smart. 
We saw against Georgia the athleticism that he can bring to the table. So I, I think the Texans have a really hard decision to make. That is, you know, a true New England Patriots type front office where Jim Nick Casario doesn't talk a whole lot to people in the media. And I think that's added a lot of intrigue too. The other two quarterbacks that we haven't talked about in Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, as far as where they're going to go, I've seen Richardson all over the place as far as yeah. you know being picked fourth to not being in the top 10. Who do you think is going to go first between those two? Oh, that's tough. I, I think Anthony Richardson will, but it does feel like they're being like grouped together. As much mm -hmm. as Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are, it feels like Richardson and Levis are. So I, I think Richardson will go earlier just because of the upsides. You know, he's 21 years old. Levis is 24. Richardson is bigger, uh, stronger arm, faster. You know, the difference is, you know, Levis is, is someone who's played a lot over the last two years. He played in a pro style system mm -hmm. at Kentucky. So I think that that helps him. But uh, you know, to me, the draft is so much about upside. It's so much potential. And Richardson has like truly unlimited potential because of the athletic gifts that he has. So that's why I'll give him the the nod today. If we talk next week, <laughs> I might change my mind. But I think <laughs> right now, Anthony Richardson would be the guy. Outside of quarterbacks, who are some of the names, positions that you really like in this draft? Yeah, I love the defensive end group this year. And I think not only is it Will Anderson at the top of the draft, but, you know, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, Miles Murphy from Clemson, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, all four could be top 12 picks. I mean, it just, it continues on throughout the first round. Nolan Smith from Georgia is a great player as well. Uh, there are, you know, six or seven pass rushers who could be drafted in the first round. And it feels like there will be 10 in the top 50, the way things are going right now. So the defensive end group is fantastic. You know, it's a really strong cornerback class. It's a really strong tight end class. So as much as like we were talking about, there's a belief that it's a weak class. There are mm -hmm. still really strong position groups. Is a draft something that you could, I mean, there's so many different simulators, things you can do online. We do it with March Madness. Is a draft something you could predict and actually have a perfect pre-draft? Never. <laughs> no, never. Uh, I've been doing this since 2000, professionally, since 2011. And I think like one year I maybe got like 10 or 12 picks right. And that's amazing if you can do that. And so I think you could get close with, um, you could get the right position, you know, to the right team. Uh -huh. But one trade, it's like, you know, the first night of March Madness when you've got like a 15 seed beating a number one seed and, and like when Virginia loses and, and everything falls apart, that's what a trade is to a mock draft. So they're stressful because, you know, readers really do evaluate us on our ability to predict something like that. Right. And it's it's the one thing that will keep me up at night between now and the draft is <laughs> thinking about a mock draft. It's so wild. The differences between you know, even what I was seeing last week to this week and then from person to person, yeah. they vary so much. They do. And it's, you know, we're all talking to different people and or we're even if we're talking to the same person, they might tell two different people, two different things. So that is the hard part with a mock draft because it's, you know, it's like a weather forecast is based on, you know, the available information, mm -hmm. kind of with the caveat that it could change really quickly. And sometimes things change the minute you hit publish on something and you would love to be able to go back and change it. But uh also you get to the point where you're like okay i i just need to finish this thing and just be done with it and put it away and whatever happens happens yeah it's kind of funny because people don't really get mad at you know the weather anchors etc when they get stuff wrong it, it could be the same hopefully i hopefully you don't get a, right. a lot of backlash 
Uh, it's gotten better over the years. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, I think you get some like credibility built in and people give you a break a little bit. But um, the fun part is that interaction with the fan groups because they, like I said, they all, and for good reason, you know, every pick could be your Drew Brees or your Tom Brady or, you know, it's, so I think there's a lot of that excitement, especially outside of the first round when, when the players who are drafted are as well known that, that that player could be the one that sets you over the top. What is your draft day plan? So I will be in Kansas City uh, covering the draft for ESPN. So I will be on, on TV most of the day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, watching the draft at night, I'll hand over the the desk to Mel Kuyper Jr. He's pretty good at our job. So we'll let him continue to do that. Um, and then uh, Saturday for the draft, I'll, I'll be on stage with Mel and Todd breaking down every pick of day three as they come in. That's awesome. We're looking forward to day three because we have five picks. So it's to be a pretty fun one for us as well. We'll be looking towards your information because as you said, that might be a lot of names that we don't really recognize any yeah. surprises, anything that you really expect something you may expect, but you don't think a lot of people would expect to happen in this draft. Yeah. I think it is Houston passing on quarterbacks in the first round would be, I think that'll be the the big talking point if it happens. And it, it really does sound like a, a strong possibility at this point. So, you know, for, for months we've been locked in really since the draft order was set, we've been locked in that, you know, a quarterback would go to Houston at two um, mm-hmm. now, nine days away. It doesn't sound like that's a, a certainty. So that could be the, the big talking point is the Texans, deciding to go with Davis Mills and Case Keenum for 2024, maybe because they're already looking at Caleb Williams and Drake May. But uh, I, I think that could be one of the really fun storylines is, you know, if if Houston passes on a quarterback, where do these guys actually go? Houston's have a lot of needs. So maybe they can get some of those right. out of the way now and then look for a quarterback next year. I got to ask about the Saints. You know, they picked 29th. What do you think position-wise they're, they're going to go for at that pick? Yeah, I think in every mock jabs I've done lately, I've had them go with the defensive lineman, you know, some type of pass rusher. Um, you know, losing Trey Hendrickson was was huge to that defense. Marcus Davenport was a, a trade-up player, a trade-up, you know, guy to be developed. That didn't really work out the way they expected it to. So I think trying to fill that role of an outside pass rusher is huge. Uh, Keon White from Georgia Tech. So I had them grab in my last mock draft. You know, he's um, versatility, could play inside-outside at 280 pounds really good quickness he's a former tight end who's kind of still learning the defensive end position so there's a lot of exciting upside there too all right awesome stuff i appreciate the time we look forward to your coverage this next week and hopefully we can catch up again soon see how everything panned out absolutely that sounds great thank you thanks Appreciate Miller. Honestly, it has to be a wild job. So much going in to just one event. And as he said, no one can predict how it's actually going to shake out. I look forward to watching it all go down next week for sure. On Thursday this week, we'll take a closer look at the Saints and what we could see for their draft starting next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.